Good morning, church. Grace and peace be with you. Uh, we are glad to be gathered with you in this way this morning. We, unlike the last couple of weeks where Jules and I have been in the same place and been able to have the conversation uh, present with one another, we really want to make sure that we are following the suggestions around social distancing and hunkering down, self-quarantining in our homes. And so uh, we're both healthy and fine, um, no symptoms of the virus, but we want to honor what all of us are doing right now. And so we're trying this over Zoom and everyone's sort of getting used to Zoom or Google Hangout or FaceTime or whatever you're doing right now. And so that's how we're gonna do this for this morning. And uh, hopefully you'll bear with us as we bear with one another and bear with technology. Amen, Jules? Amen. <laughs> All right, let me pray, and then we can get into our scripture for this morning. Holy One, I thank you for, uh, for technology. I thank you for the ability to do this, to be as present with one another as we can and gathered around uh, the scriptures and reading of you of your love for us and seeking new, creative, extravagant ways to show uh, your love for one another. Pray that you would open our minds and our hearts to receive what you have for us. And we give you this time and pray this in Jesus' name and all the holy names of God. Amen. Amen. So the story that we're in this morning is from the book of Mark. We're continuing in that uh, season where we're walking with Jesus to the cross. So it's Mark 14, uh, verses 3 through 9, and it is Holy Week. So it was two days before the Passover and the Festival of Unleavened Bread, and the chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him. For they said, not during the festival, or there may be a riot among the people. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very costly ointment of nard. And she broke open the jar and poured the ointment on his head. But some were there who said to one another in anger, why was the ointment used and wasted in this way? for this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish, but you will not always have me. And she has done what she, is could, what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. And then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. And when they heard it, they were greatly pleased and promised to give him the money. And so he began to look for an opportunity to betray Jesus. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, his disciples said to him, where do you want us to go and make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? And so he sent two of the disciples saying to them, go into the city and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him and wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, 
the teacher asks, where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. And so the disciples set out and went to the city and found everything as he had told them. And they prepared the Passover meal. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we decided that um, we're going to first ask what about the actual story just jumps out at us, um, each one of us. And Jules, the, the thing that jumps out to me is actually the beauty of Mark and also the frustration of Mark's gospel that it's so just trim, like it just trims all the fat away, it just gives you the essentials. But I wish there was more about this woman. There's so much we don't know. There's not a whole lot of setup or stage direction or anything like that. She um, walks in the room. She, she's just there, yeah. And we don't know if she, was she at the table with them? What, did she come from outside and walk in? Did they know her? Uh, they don't even give us her name, which is terrible. I want to know what happened here to know more about this extravagant act that takes place. Um, but we get we get nothing except the woman is there, and she breaks open a jar and pours this all over his head. And I just I'm, I really wish as one who appreciates detail and setup and scene and setting and all that, I just wish I knew more about how that happened other than just it happened and people didn't like it and Jesus. But isn't that the way Mark works all the time? He's like, listen, you're going to get distracted if I give you too much stuff and think things are important that aren't. So here's what's actually like, what is really important. I'm only going to tell you about that. So you should talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and remembering that these were originally stories that were told and passed right. down through oral tradition. It makes sense, but um, I don't but know. It means, it means it's probably really important, the yeah. pieces that he does give you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, pay attention to this. Yeah, this. yeah. What jumped and, out for you? Yeah, the thing that jumped out for me, it's... I, I did a little background reading this time around, um that I hadn't really put together what was happening in that moment um, before, where it's just how much that, um, that ointment costs. Yeah. I mean, like the story says 300 denarii and we're like, oh yeah, that, that, that's a lot. Like she's probably poor. It's probably a lot to her. And in my mind, I always have had the image of like, oh, that's like her grocery money. Like that's more than she should give, but it's not, like everything. And I was, I was comparing her in my mind, realizing we just preached on the, the woman with the two mites and how she gives literally everything she has. And I was like, those two women aren't the same. She's just giving a gift. And then I realized in my study how much 300 denarii is. It turns out it is an entire year's salary for a normal person. So it would be like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars, possibly more, right, in today's money, and she just, and then it's, th like, that's a lot of money, especially for an unknown, like, nobody woman, but then she goes, and she, like, breaks it open and pours it over Jesus's head, mm -hmm. it, it's, like, I, I, I was thinking about, it would be, like, selling your house and then burning the cash, 
right? Like, it's like you don't do any, I mean, it's so extravagant and overwhelming. I almost don't have what it takes to understand what's going on in the story. Well, and that, and that to me just begs more questions about, so is that a lot to her? Is she rich? Is right. there, we don't know. That it goes back to your question. Yeah. What, what matters is essentially that it, regardless, it's extravagant. And, and if I'm honest, it also makes me, I mean, I can appreciate the, these folks who are frustrated with that and look at it and go, well, why would you do that? That's dumb. That yeah. doesn't make sense. You could have done so much. You know, I say, I, in our last conversation about this, I talked about how these, uh, these folks mansplain social justice to this woman. <laughs> like, you could have sold all this and given it to the poor, which is reasonable. And but that's not the point. Yeah. Well, I'm curious, like, that leads into the second question for, for us. But, like, what was the moment in this story where you were like, uh, aha, or, oh, I see what this means now. Like, where was the thing that you wrestled with and finally got somewhere? So for me, as I was just saying, I've, I've always, I kind of feel for those, those folks who, who criticize her. The dumb, (laughs) dumb disciples. Yeah. uh, Cause I, yeah. Poor guys. I, think I might have thought the same thing. Yeah. But if I'm honest, I might have looked and said, oh, sweetie, don't do that. Do you know what we could have done with that? Right? Because, I mean, it makes sense. The question makes sense to me. It's too much for, you could have done more with that, I guess. But the whole point is, the extravagance of that display of love, that acknowledgement of who Jesus is, her understanding of what is to come in this holy week, um, that is, there's, that death is going to be a part of this. So I was talking to you this, uh, the last time we talked about this, and uh, I mentioned how I've always thought that the giving of flowers is really dumb. Um, I just, I always have. and that's really cynical, I know, but I've just thought, why would you give flowers? What's the point? Right. Um, flowers, yes, they're beautiful, but they die. They're no good. I can't yeah. use them. Eventually, they're going to stink up at my house if I don't do something with them. Like, what's the point of giving flowers? Um, but then this week, I uh, I showed up at the shelter, and sitting on my desk was this beautiful display of flowers that was given to me by the Multnomah County Emergency Operations Center. Such a weird right? Yeah. Such a weird thing for for this basically a bunch of bureaucrats in like but but it meant that this group of people that I've been working really closely with during um, the setting up of the shelter at Charles Jordan and all of the logistical pieces that come around that. And then I was suddenly gone and it was, I was gone because Krista died and they acknowledged that. And they went to the effort of ordering flowers from St. John's florist. So local folk and left a little card that said, thank you for all you do and, and all you have been doing. And we're sorry for your loss. And thanks for being in this work. And it was in that moment that I was like, it switched from flowers are dumb to, Oh, I just felt, I felt like that was a jar of nard being poured over me. Just, 
um, unnecessary, but just beautiful, pure love on display. And I, I sort of, I got it in that moment. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, your example there is a literalization of the story, right? Like that money literally could have gone to the poor. Seriously. Like, the money for the 30 or $40 that they spent on those flowers for you literally could have paid for deodorant or toilet paper or somebody's bus ticket to Arizona or something. And instead a hand sanitizer, but instead they thought, you know, yes, that's true. And this person matters too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, which I think is getting at the heart of, is getting at the heart of this story for me. Like what, there are these moments in our lives when we have choices to make, right? I mean, we have so many choices to make right now uh, around how to keep people safe, how to keep ourselves safe, how to like, we have all of these um, places right now where we're being asked to determine like what's really important here, what over what I want or what is good or loving for others. And um, I, I keep thinking about like, where are the places where I, you know, lean on the side of, well, the right thing to do is, which is like my personality. I mean, I'm really good at seeing like, here's what the right thing to do is. And, um, (laughs) or. And we're going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then being like really mad when everybody doesn't see it my way. Um, sorry. (laughs) Apparently on zoom, we get real honest about that. Um, because nobody's around. It's just you and me, Andy, not the whole internet. Um, and so, you know, so I find myself thinking about like, what, where is it like that? Uh, well, this is the right thing to do. And this other thing, which is, but if I just poured all of this time and energy in to this one thing or this, you know, other beautiful thing, then that would actually be worth justice. Like that's, that's good too, right? Mm-hmm. It's this comparing and this like, um, not being utilitarian, that's what the story is kind of, I think, drawing in me, is that in times of pain and grief and strain and suffering and uh, what's called for is like outrageous compassion and um, generosity and abundance, not uh, utilitarianism, right. not common sense. Actually, common sense doesn't have a whole lot of use when people are in a lot of pain. Right. Um, and how many examples do I have of that? I have so many. I don't know why I forget them yeah. uh, from day to day. Probably, yeah, we should probably share the toilet paper. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Not and and not just like what this story would say is, actually, um, if somebody's in need of that, like, you should not even consider the cost to yourself. Yeah. Like, it's not... Um, it's not a part of the equation. It's, this is necessary for this moment. It's what's called for. I mean, this woman is anointing Jesus for burial. She pours everything she has into getting him ready to die. And that's in some ways super crazy. And then I think about how important it is when people die and how important it is when people are making transitions in their lives. Like we pour all of our money into those moments, right? We pour all of ourselves into graduations and funerals and births and all of these important places where people are transitioning somehow. Um, We don't count the cost. We don't think about what, so what does that mean? That's the big question for me is like, what would it look like to 
um, pay attention in that way all the time. Yeah. Uh, and also, yeah. how do we do that now? Because as you said, we pour everything into those transitions and into the marking those celebrations, those moments. But as you're well aware, and a lot of people are well aware, um, right now we can't do that. Yeah. So the question becomes, what what does it look like to to break that jar of nard now? You know, I can't um, I can't gather with my people and celebrate Krista. So what does it look like to, uh, to still be extravagant? And, <laughs> and how do we love and pour out in the middle of the frustration of not being able to do that the way we typically do? Does that make sense, the question? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and I think that that's one of the, the opportunities for this time. I really hesitate to call them gifts, but perhaps they are. One of my friends calls them, um, uh, flowers in the mud, right? Mm -hmm. it's like one of the flowers in the mud for this time is um, a reimagining of those things. Mm -hmm. Like how do, instead of only grieving them, and we should, like instead of only grieving the loss of them and the loss of the opportunity that we would have had if we were in our usual habits and could be free about it, yeah. what now, like what could be better? I watched, I watched as our church, um, reconfigured itself over the last couple of weeks and went into this like heavily internally caring mode and externally um but like all of a sudden all of these connections are being made including like providing things that seem impossible to provide to our neighbors and for me that feels like an opportunity in all of this to be like well we're not allowed to do it in our old way right. so what new ways can we invent and um, this woman was like, I have a new way. Yeah. Like, this is a unique moment. And I, I'm going to break into this party. And I'm going to show them all how important this person is. Yeah. And, he's gonna, and, and not only that, but he's going to know how important he is. Mm -hmm. That's going to make me cry. Yeah. Um, like, the, the power between those two people is so intense, right? And there's, it's the vulnerability that's on display there. Like, can you, if I am, I imagine in that scene, the vulnerability of approaching this person and doing this act, this intimate act of pouring this expensive, beautiful oil all over this man as a way of, of anointing um, and, and, and pronouncing yeah. um, a couple of different things, pronouncing that this, this is a kingly figure. Right. And also, this is a person who is going to die right. and she gets it and she's vulnerable in that moment. And what I love about Jesus is um, when someone is vulnerable and we see it over and over again, we've seen it in Mark. When somebody is vulnerable and has the nerve to approach uh, and, and others question it. You know, those disciples are, you shouldn't have done that. That was wrong. And Jesus, like, they try to shame her in her vulnerability. And Jesus is like, nah, mm-mm. When people are vulnerable and they're expressing extravagant love in intimacy, we never shame. We don't do that, fellas, because they're all fellas. Right. And they think they've figured it out. Like, they're super proud of their answer, right? 
-hmm. Like they totally think that they're doing the right thing. Again, with the right thing, it's like almost always the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And instead, yeah, you're right. It's like, Jesus looks up and he's like, nope, actually this, this is actually what's important right now. She, uh, this gift she's giving me, however crazy it seems to you, however unfitting, however extravagant, it's like a recognition of me. And that's the only thing that matters. Like, and, and, and he's sort of like, I love them. I, I love the phrase he, when he's like, the poor, you always have the opportunity to be kind to the poor. And he when he's saying the poor, he acknowledges the poor. He's like, it's yeah. not like I'm saying don't give to the poor, but guess well, what? You should always do that. Right. It's, it's almost like what he's saying is, listen, this isn't instead of, this is in addition to, and I know you're not taking care of the poor every time you have the opportunity. So what right. are you talking about? Like, he's almost like, hold on, guys. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're telling me you give away all of your stuff to everybody who's poor. Major eye roll emoji. Yeah. Right, exactly. And, and so when she shows up, he's like locked in um, immediately because he knows that she's living out what they're sort of pretending to have already done or like saying everyone should do and instead of just saying should she's doing it Mm -hmm. which is fantastic I'm curious you had this idea about gifts this week that I'm like I think is the perfect encapsulation of this story um because we were talking about grace and Mm -hmm. we were talking about gifts and how the like you just said the disciples judge her gift yeah well, and, and when we, we, we talked about this last, I was surprised at how long it took us in our conversation to get to the word grace. Yeah. That's what this act is. It's an act of grace. It's an, and grace is extravagant, overwhelming, huge, beyond what is appropriate or necessary or any of those things. Um, that's and that's what this woman is is doing this anointing is an um almost as is it is a sacramental act of grace right and jesus receives it as such and so you don't reject grace and you don't judge it like that's not something we should do when someone is generous it's why me thinking that flowers are dumb is actually dumb i should i shouldn't do that flowers are an act of grace they're an act of love um, especially when people are hurting it's a way for people to express it's their own jar of nard that they can do um when we shouldn't judge that we should just receive those and you know like you said last week krista would always say take and say thank you and that's what we should do now the tough thing is um, you know, this gets us into Holy Week, and the thought I had um, is that uh, Holy Week, and particularly Passion Sunday, the story of the Passion, the story of the death of Jesus, is grace itself. And it's grace that um, I know that I don't always want to receive, because I don't, I don't like to think about death, and I don't like to acknowledge death. I want to talk around it. I want to avoid it. I, I, um, cause I don't want to feel the depth of sadness and pain that is acknowledging death, but the story, the reality of Jesus own passion 
is a gift of grace that that either forces or allows for, depending on how you want to frame it, who you are, uh, allows for us, forces us to look at death and to feel it and to know it and to be reminded that that that's part of being human. Part of the fullness of humanity is death. And it is the feeling of grief that comes with that. That's a part of the fullness of being human. To just dismiss it, to just go right to resurrection, and y'all know how much I love resurrection and Easter. To just do that is to deny ourselves of the grace, the gift of grace, that is the fullness of humanity, which includes that pain, includes the suffering that Jesus experienced and knew because of his own suffering uh, on the cross. And so I, as much as I don't, I don't often like to acknowledge it or receive it, the story Holy Week itself is a gift of grace for all of us to experience the fullness of humanity, life and death, and, and thankfully, in a week, um, whatever resurrection looks like in a pandemic. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons, I think that's so beautiful, and it's one of the reasons I think Jesus says this woman will be remembered forever in the same way we're asked to remember him at the table. Like, the same language, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is not only her sense of generosity and and graciousness and overwhelming love but also that she is so clear-eyed she she's unwilling to look away from the truth in uh, over and against the the male in this case disciples who um constantly throughout this gospel and every gospel are like oh jesus you're talking about your death let's go talk about something else or let's make it about something else yeah, or Peter um, saying stop talking like he's literally like stop talking about this yeah yeah that's right he does do that and this woman instead is like actually um this is where we are mm-hmm. and this is what's happening to us and this is what's happening to you and i'm not going to look away I'm not going to call it something else. I'm not going to ask you why you didn't do it a different way. I'm going to say, I love you. And here's where we are. And we're together. And that for me is like, no wonder he's like, she's like the only person in the entire gospel. He says this about Mm -hmm. everybody else. You can forget him. This one, remember her. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh my goodness. Wow. It's huge. It's big. It's so big. It's Mm -hmm. so big. Um, Thank you for your reflections on on grace because I think that that's it's the only um, it's the too long didn't read message of this <laughs> of this gospel lesson. Yeah. <laughs> TLDR grace. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe I'm skim- skimming away. Want to look away a little bit from the pain. Um, <laughs> but. Is there anything else you want to say about that before we end? Well, I guess I would just say this too, that uh, this kind of reflection is going to be really important in the days ahead. Yeah. Um, this is not getting better right now. Yeah. It's getting worse. And, you know, I, I, I am receiving um, calls and notices now of people, um, like the circle 
is coming closer and closer to me of people who've been impacted by COVID-19, people, people who know people close to them who've died of this. We are, we are staring death in the face as a culture, as a people, and as a church. And uh, it, it can be really easy. I'll say this, it is really easy to distract ourselves, to numb ourselves um, with all the things that would, would make us, would allow us to not have to acknowledge that. Uh, but this is an opportunity this week to look at that and to know it and to feel it as, especially as people of God, this being Holy Week. Uh, I think, I think, I would say, I think it's incredibly important to have those moments where we allow ourselves to grieve and to feel and to not just pretend that we can go on normally this week. Yeah. Well, let's not go on normally this week then. Let's find some new ways to be um, joyful and creative and present to one another. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, a couple of those ways that are coming up, I know you and I have, a, have some things happening this week that people may want to know about. One is that the deep dive is starting again on Sunday at 10.30 a.m. And all of the information about that and to figure out what the book is, um, we're reading a Brene Brown book together, will be on the Facebook page and in the newsletter and has been. Uh, By the time this is posted, if you're listening to this early enough in the morning, it starts in like maybe an hour. Great. So you have plenty of time to get the book from the library. The second thing is um, Andy and I and Courtney McHill, one of our uh, pastors who's with uh, Portsmouth Union Church, but she lives in Germany, are going to be sending out readings and doing videos every day uh, for every day of Holy Week. And you can find those on the Facebook pages as well uh, to lead you and your family through the week together. So you can use those as reflections. And then finally, for Easter morning, uh, we will have a Zoom call where everyone in the church, everyone, anyone is welcome to join who has the link. Uh, That has been posted on Facebook and we will have a form of communion together. And so we'll celebrate Easter in... um, in a way that feels right to us this year, given the timing and given what's happening to us um, and around us. So you can join for any of those things or all of them, and we'd love to have you. You want to sing the benediction? Oh, this is going to get interesting. You want to try? to sing together over Zoom? I don't know if it'll work. You, s- <laughs> you start and, and I'll join you. All right, let's see. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make God's face to shine upon you and be gracious, gracious, gracious to you. The Lord lift up God's countenance upon you and give you, give you, give you peace.
Go now in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. No, what was it we would do in, in forensics? We put our heads down. <laughs> no, that's so creepy. That's wow. That's a wow moment right there for me. All right. I hope all this works. I, I hope so too. And if not, it will be edifying for the two of us. He just posted a video that said, Well, your pastors did all of the work. You just don't get to see any of it. Isn't that just sort of a metaphor for church anyway? Happy passion. But trust us, it was really good. We can't tell you about it because yeah. that was part of the problem. It's confidential. <laughs>